Thank you so very much. Good morning. So good to be with you as we're gathered together to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this morning. We are viewing this as Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, where we're reflecting upon commemorating now 49 years of Roe v. Wade, where a decision was made by the Supreme Court. It was a seven to two decision uh, pertaining to overturning laws restricting or prohibiting abortion in all states across the nation. And so what we're trying to do is to, through the opening of scriptures and the reasoning of all things biblically, to bring forth a, a culture of life and allowing people to understand the author and the authority of life who validated that by raising Jesus Christ from the grave. So I'd love for you to, this morning to take your Bibles. We pause in our series in the book of Psalms, and we're going to make our way one book prior to the book of Job. And here in the book of Job, what you will find is that we've got a man who's experiencing extraordinary anguish. And what he's trying to do is fit together the God who supremely, wisely, the bones, the sinews, circulatory system, on and on we would go, formed and fashioned this one in the womb of his mother. And trying to figure out if God was capable of doing that then, where is God now? In these verses we're turning to, in Job chapter 10, verses 8 through 12, you are, you are introduced to a man who's experiencing extraordinary tension in his life, where he has considered the gains, but now he's faced with the losses of life. And how do you understand God in the midst of the loss? This is something of what he's grappling with, and now what he will do is that he will take biology and express it poetically in a way that allows you and me to see what God was doing in his past, what God is doing in his present, God would be doing in his future, and relating it to 2022 and ask, okay, God, in light of all that, where are you? What you doing? The God who gives and takes away we sing, blessed be the name of the Lord. How then do I fit that into my understanding of where you are at at this moment in my life? Then mine, Job chapter 10, verse 8 down through verse 12. We are now, Job again, using poetry to explain biology. He says, your hands fashioned and made me. And now you have destroyed me altogether. Feel the gain and the loss in that one verse? Remember that you have made me like clay, and you will return me to the dust. Did you not pour me out like milk? Curdle me like cheese? 
You clothed me with skin and flesh. Knit me together with bones and sinews. You have granted me life and steadfast love. And your care has preserved my spirit. And there's your God. Here's Job. And maybe you've got some Job-like experiences that have crept into your present-day realities. And we're going to think this through together on the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday as we now look to our Lord in prayer. And our Father, what we want to do is to be able to understand your word, respect who you are, Think very carefully about the way in which you work. Allow your truth, which is all truth, to relate to where life gets lived out in the here and now. We're in a culture where there are gains and losses. What we need is the constant that is found in you. that sees us through. It's what the culture needs today. It's what the church needs today. It's what each of our lives now are begging for today. A thorough understanding of the one who is the author of life. So Father, these moments are significant. They're important. Pray now once again that you would warm these hearts. Engage these minds. Shape these wills. So again, now, Father, we've come here to see Jesus, him only. Pray these things again now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take a look at the men and women that are now on the Supreme Court of the United States. These are the ones who have just heard oral arguments in a case that could upend Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade, January 22nd of 1973, 49 years ago. Here we have a presentation that was made before these nine individuals. The case was Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. It's the most significant challenge to legalized abortion to debate to date. Now the question has to do with the Mississippi law that's known as the Gestational Age Act that was established in 2018. It was brought before the Supreme Court by Jackson Women's Health Organization and Dubs, point counterpoint. And I've got excerpts of the Mississippi Code titled Public Health Chapter 41, Surgical or Medical Procedures, Consents Gestational Age Act 4141-191. And here are some interesting thoughts that stand out because the challenge is the Mississippi law known as the Gestational Age Act. And if this court decides the law should stand, then the power to determine and limit abortion rights would then effectively return to the states. 
It doesn't mean then that we are all finished with this issue. It just means it becomes a state issue now. And the pro-life movement has got to continuously find a way to move forward. But you say, Gary, what do you mean by gestation? Go back into your biology classes. And this is the period from conception through birth, the delivery of the child. Well, between five and six weeks gestation, they have listed this in their presentation that was heard in the Supreme Court. An unborn child, an unborn human being's heart begins beating. And I love the fact that they used unborn human being's heart. Supreme Court heard this. Second, they heard that an unborn human being begins to move about in the womb at approximately eight weeks gestation. And thirdly, at nine weeks gestation, all basic physiological functions are present. Now what you and I have to bear in mind at this point, that this is no simple conservative versus liberal matter that is being worked out on the Supreme Court. It's deeper than that. Now we have legal personnel in our congregation as well as medical personnel in our congregation that will help us in the conversations in the hallways think these things through. But what we can understand when we delve a little deeper into this whole subject is that there are at least three judicial philosophies that are in competition with one another in how this decision will be made. On one side, there is what is known as originalism. These individuals hold that they will interpret law based upon the original intent of the writers of the Constitution. On the other side, of course, we have individuals that hold to, we'll use the term activism. And their view is that you interpret laws not on the basis of what was written then, but how it's to be understood and related today. In the middle, and this is where most of the discussions and the questions took place, when oral presentations were brought before the Supreme Court at the end of 2021, was the issue of what legal scholars call stare decisis. This has to do, not with originalism on one side, activism on the other side, but what I will now call traditionalism, where those who might be prone to want to overturn Roe v. Wade, but say, but wait a minute. Roe v. Wade has now been upheld for 49 years. It's become, in essence, a tradition in our culture. Give us enough reason to overturn tradition. Stare decisis. This is how this church has got to understand the complexities of what now stands before the Supreme Court. Originalism, stare decisis, traditionalism, activism. Now we have a basis to be able to pray and to carry on intelligent conversations in the culture that we find ourselves in. With that in mind, what I want to do then is to 
Consider the cosmic court, God's court, in light of what we see here in before us. And I want to now go to the text and draw out, if you will, three aspects of what God is talking about here via Job when we are dealing with the matters of life. The one who gives and takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. So now, as we turn to the text, let's start now with verse 8. And in verse 8, what you and I find is the first of these, whereas you and I consider the nature of human life. Starting point. I want you to begin here with me. Note the beginning of life and the emotions here that are being expressed in this verse. I'll read the verse and then develop it. In verse 8, hear now Job. And he is speaking poetically as he's thinking biologically. Your hands fashioned and made me. And now, you see, current, you have destroyed me altogether. He begins with your hands. He's not starting with the parents at this point. He understands the sovereignty of God. Now, when you and I are involved in conversations in the culture, what I want us to do is to be able to help each and every person we're in dialogue with to grapple with what I will call the starting point of their thought process regarding abortion, regarding life. For Job, his starting point when it came to matters of life was God. So much in today's culture, the starting point is simply the mother, and that's why it's being called women's health issues and so forth, the current trendy phrase. What we've got to ask ourselves is how can I enter into conversations to get people to rethink starting points, such as Job is dealing with, it is your hands that have fashioned and made me. What we're dealing with then is this. The author of life is the one who has authority over life. If it's the woman's body that is the authority, then she decides to give and take away. But if there is one that is over the man and the woman and precedes the man and the woman, then with this issue of authority, then we see the tension in the Garden of Eden of authority and autonomy where Adam and Eve wanted to be autonomous of God's authority, and so they split. They pulled away, but God sought them out. And I believe what's happening in 2022 is that God is seeking people out, pursuing us, getting us to rethink our starting point as to who is the author of life. Because the one who has authority over life is the one who sets the standards and the measure for what is truly quality life. My sister came into this world my youngest sister with Down syndrome. She is now with the Lord. And my parents would turn periodically into a passage in Exodus chapter 4. Moses is in conversation with the Lord. Oh, my Lord, 
I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, question, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? God is taking full responsibility. In other words, then, the one who has authority over life is the one who can measure the quality of life. What you and I have to do is to discern in every conversation we're involved with, in every give and take on, on a particular network that's presenting arguments for and against this matter, what is that person's starting point? It's loaded with assumptions and presuppositions as to who has authority. What we want to under, understand from Scripture is that God is the source of life and the parents are the means of life. They are the vehicle, the avenue. God is the source by which this child, you see, comes into the world. Now when we begin to grasp that, then we see, okay, God's got a hand in this, doesn't he? before anybody else. And now you're up to the next word in verse eight, your hands. Now, there was a cosmic courtroom scene that Job knew nothing about. In Job chapter one, Satan appeared in the cosmic courtroom. The Lord said to Satan in verse eight, have you considered my servant Job? that there is none like him on the earth, blameless, upright man who fears God, turns away from evil. Notice the wording in verse nine of Job chapter one. And then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God? Notice that he doesn't ask, does Job fear the Lord? It stays generic. Not relational. Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands. And his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand. Do you see that there? Touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. In other words, he gives and takes away. Let's see what Job does when you take from Job. What does God say? The Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your hand. He does not say all that he is is in your hand. He says that all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand hand. Now the challenge at this point is that Job does not know about this cosmic conflict in the courtroom of life. He does have a sense of the sovereignty of God 
at this moment, he does not know why he's going through what he's going through. And so he understands that God is the source of his life. Your hands fashioned and made me. And he's using the potter and clay analogy at this point. Years ago, E. Shiler English was asked to lecture in a particular classroom, college classroom, and had to do a lot with the sovereignty of God. And so he thought for a visual how nice it would be if he could have a particular library in the area uh, secure a, a painting for him uh, that's entitled The Hand of God. And so he made a request, went through all what's necessary. Nothing came. Still nothing came. Still nothing came. And so he tried one last time, and then he was informed by the library system. The hand of God is not available. Now, what we sense in those that have a different starting point than the Christian is that this whole matter of abortion, life, and so forth, it's in our hands. What we have to understand then, that God is being, uh, he is offering a strategic approach here, expressing poetically what Job is grappling with biologically. Starting points are essential in the conversations you and I have day in, day out about things that matter most. Keep asking yourself when you're talking with someone who has a different worldview. Okay, what's their starting point? And they then begin to pose questions such as, how did you get to that starting point? Not that ending point. That starting point that leads forward. Because starting points shape ending points. Your hands fashioned and made me. He understands then God is the source of life. The parents are the means of life. At this particular juncture in his presentation. But now, feel the tension? There's the gain, now here's the loss. And now, feel the angst of our culture? You've destroyed me altogether. Ah, oh, Job. Now, what you have to do at this point, understand the emotions of the individual that you are in conversation with. This is more than mere reasoning. You're going to have to understand not only the rational, but the emotional aspects of this. There are losses involved. There might be despair. But behind all this, there are assumptions being made. Job is saying, you've destroyed me altogether, but he does not know the cosmic courtroom and what unfolded in chapter 1. He was not informed, but he is still grappling with God, you see. Time for an ultrasound or two here. Let's take a look at what we've got. It's 3D. On one side, what you've got is uh, development within the womb. Ah, oh, we got some twins on the other side, don't we? Look at them. But let's look at the next slide and Ponder, there's one more there. If you could go back, there's an ultrasound. 
hopefully it can be found. And there it is. 20 days, three weeks, and all of a sudden a heart appears right there. This is a beating heart at 20 days. You see? All truth is God's truth. Biological truth is God's. Scriptural truth is God's. And so what we have to do now in our society is that we engage people in rethinking their starting points. And now with the visual that comes with ultrasound and so on, ask them, um, would you consider this? Go online and, and consider now what is taking place in the gestation period and allow them to see visually the beating heart that is being discussed and debated in the whole matter of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. And while you're talking, you see, about this whole matter of starting points, pose this question. How do we explain the preborn baby having distinct DNA? If there are women's health issues being discussed, could we also embrace child health issues being discussed and allow for the distinctive DNA to be a means by which we can engage this conversation all the more to get people to rethink their assumptions? The starting point is to why they believe what they believe. This should grip the attention, the beginning of life. And don't discard the emotions that are being expressed by the one who's got a different starting point than you. They have perhaps chosen a different starting point for a reason. We've got to take them back to the realities of the God who stands behind life. Onward. That was verse 8. You're on now to verses 9 and 10. Because secondly, as you and I, as we consider the nature of human life, we're not only noting the beginning of life and the emotions being expressed, but now the development of life and the questions here being posed. And Job's got questions, as do people in our culture today. He starts with, remember, God, have you forgotten? I mean, you were so deeply involved in the intricacies of formation of me within the womb of the mother, but now I'm dealing with the intricacies of the complexities of the gains and losses of life. Are you involved now as you were then? Oh, God. Remember, you made me like clay. It's taking you back to the Genesis account, but you see the book of Job is rooted in the patriarchal period, the time period of Genesis. Question, will you return me to dust? It sounds like a, a Genesis type question as well. But then again, we've got to bear in mind we've got some from very unique ways to be able to grapple with issues of life and death. Oncologist Alva Ware deals with that. Tennessee, 
tells this story. I was awakened from sleep by the telephone and at the other end of the line, a distraught woman told me that her son had cancer, was a patient of one of my partners, was unconscious, breathing badly, an empty bottle of pills at his bedside. And this patient had recently discovered that his cancer had metastasized his bone. And along with his pain, he had lost control of his bowels. He could not tolerate the thought of pain and incontinence with no hope of cure, and so decided to end his life. It appeared close to succeeding. His mother called, distraught, met them at the emergency room. Patient was breathing badly, looked as if he were dying from overdose. I examined the patient, checked the labs, results, determined a step forward, pondered placing him on a ventilator until the drugs left his system. Mother uncertain, brother took charge. He wanted to take matters into his hands. Suggesting that the patient desired suicide and that they should honor his wishes. They insisted on taking him home, no therapy. I prayed and thought. I worked with them for some time and they compromised by allowing me to admit him to the hospital with only oxygen and intravenous fluid support, but no tubes, no ventilator. And they consented mainly because of logistical and legal complications produced by a patient dying at home of suicide. I admitted him, expecting him to die, but the following weekend, I was surprised to find this man's name on my list of patients. I walked into the room to find a beaming mother, an alert patient, with the minimal support he had survived his overdose. Another week, he was walking with his pain improved, bowels controlled, depression diminished. I realized that this man and his family, who had chosen for him the absence of life forever, were experiencing moments together of unfathomable value. Dr. Weir, quote, there is no one this side of heaven who has the ability to make the correct decision regarding when our life should be extinguished. Society should err on the side of the precious nature of human life rather than that of personal choice. Now, what the believers got to do at this point, using the arsenal of rethinking starting points with others who might be abortion-minded, and using visuals to remind them that this is not potential life. This is life with potential. And for those in the middle on the Supreme Court that are thinking stare decisis and traditionalism, what I would argue is that the believers got to take us back to what I will call originalism. which is where Job is parked, 
God is the source of life, and the parents are the means of life. And then remind ourselves, not everything which is legal is moral. Just because abortion may be legal does not mean that abortion is moral. Even though we have a strange shout-out happening within our culture of individuals who at this point are, are encouraging one another to simply shout your abortion with various actresses in particular taking the lead. But stick to the visuals at this moment and ponder the significance of this now statement being made in question form in verse 10. Did you not pour me out like milk? Notice the simile, like milk. Now, biologically speaking, that is a reference toward the semen. Curdle me like cheese. That is a reference to the embryo. In other words, what he is now offering us is poetically describing things biologically. He is giving us a perspective on the reproductive system and process that you and I have got to think through, as does our culture. So with the visuals in mind, let's do a, let's do a walkthrough and consider how all this begins to unfold. Starting with, say, fertilization. And then you'll notice that in the middle of the screen, here's week four, where the cells have, this is embryonic, and it's about the size of a poppy seed. And by week five, as you ponder the significance of what's here on the screen, the neural tube begins to form, and this is where the baby's brain, backbone, spinal cord, and nerves develop. Not potential life, life with potential. Week eight, nerve cells in the baby's brain are branching out there's these neural pathways developing. Week nine, baby's essential organs are in place. Week 10, baby's head is now more rounded still in the outer part, the ears more fully developed, as well as the limbs. 12, consider the skeletal system now made of cartilage. From now on, this child will begin to develop bone, starting with skull, the long bones. Week 15, baby's breathing, digestive system is becoming still more advanced. This is not potential life. This is life with potential. Week 16, 18 ears are clearly visible. Here's the lungs. Main uh, branching tubes are starting to develop. Go to 21. 
skin's transparent, turning darker, eyebrows, head hair, thicker, easier to see, and the baby is busy making facial expressions, maybe frowning at her dad or something like that, I don't know, <laughs> yawning, yeah. Baby can hear more distinctly now at 26. And by 32, a baby's fingernails are fully formed, reach the tips of the fingers. Hair is getting thicker. Week 34, this child can already know and distinguish voices and can recognize songs. Consider the auditory canal. 38, elbows and knees may have small dimples and the baby can now make a firm grasp of a hand. Well, the Supreme Court had a process, the gestation period, which was articulated in the oral arguments until you reached the point of birth. Potential life? No. Life with potential. And so then, what we have the opportunity to do then is to bring all this together and get them to think seriously about, about developmental biology. And here is where the legal and the medical converge. But we've got to start with first things. Jeremiah did. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations, the Lord said to Jeremiah. This is powerful. I hope you grasp, if you're watching online, you grasp the idea, the significance of first things, starting points. Rechecking presumptions and assumptions. If you find yourself abortion-minded in your thought processes, pause, step back. Consider that the parent is the means, not the source. Go back to God who loves you and sent Jesus Christ in embryonic form in Bethlehem to die for you on that cross. And God validates life by raising Jesus, you see, from the grave. It's comprehensive. In a culture that tends to compartmentalize truth, the believer is concerned with what I'll call comprehensive truth. Yearly something of this nature brought before me and this, the give and the take that I find myself in. But Gary, that's religious truth. I hold to scientific truth. I hold to biological truth. I pause because I've got more training in the biological side than the theological side, frankly. I let them talk. I step forward and say, would you consider a different starting point in your reasoning? Rather than the compartmentalization of religious truth, that being your truth, and scientific truth, biological truth being your truth, and so on. 
would you consider truth being expressed biologically, truth being expressed religiously, but as different expressions of truth, and that God is the source of truth. He is the origin of truth. And would you consider rethinking your starting point? Who stands behind the one in the womb? The source, God, the means, parents. And now you've gone through the sequence of developmental biology within the womb. So the beginning of life and the emotions being expressed, you analyzed the tension in verse 10, didn't you? And then the development of life and the questions being posed, we grappled with in verse in verse 9, in verse 10, he's asking questions. How do I link your, your capacity and your ability to take what was in the womb and now relate it to where I am at in the give and take of life where there are blessings and there are curses? This is the, this is the stuff of life we're talking about. But now we're up to the third of the three perspectives. We're now in verses 11 and 12. As you and I, as we consider the nature of human life, note thirdly, the granting of life. Who grants life? Is it the Supreme Court? Or is there one who is author, has authority in the cosmic court of the universe? The granting of life and the spirit being preserved. Rethink starting points. And now in verse 11. This fascinates me. He continuously engages God at this point. The source of life. You clothed me. And now he speaks of with skin and flesh. I could almost see him pondering and pausing at this point. Skin. Protection. Regulation of heat. Matters of sensation. Where the neurosystem connects with. And then he moves one step further and now still poetically communicating things biologically knit me together, you, with bones and sinews, bones. The early stages of development 300 bones within the baby until time of delivery, roughly about 206. The skeletal system, God is giving shape. Sinew, tough fibrous tissue, connecting bone and muscle, and so forth. Consider the complexity of life 
Don't let such individuals compartmentalize the truths about life. Be comprehensive and ask serious questions to get people to rethink their starting points so that we have opportunity then to be able to provide a culture of life, perspective, in a world that is so desperately in need of an alternative to what's being believed today. So here you have it. Things have seemed to have gone wrong. The give and the take. You give and you take away. You give and you take away. But I will bless the name of the Lord. And so in verse 12, he comes full circle. And he sticks with God. And he says, you have granted me life. It's a grant. It comes from God. And furthermore, you've invested in me steadfast love, the Hebrew word hesed, loyal, faithful love. And for those who feel as though they're lacking care at this juncture in their lives, he then takes the past, builds a bridge into the present, and your care, including health care, material care, Spiritual care has preserved my spirit. He is very soul conscious as he positions himself before his sovereign God. And when you're that way, and now you have a comprehensive view and you have a sense of the author of life, authority of life, and distinguish source from means, means from source, potential life versus life with potential, and you embrace the latter. You pull that all together, and then you nod your head as you look at the final screen, the before and after of life. And there's your God. He was in it before, he's in it after, and through it all, he's your God. And three days later, he raised Jesus from the grave, a statement of life. Let's stand together. We've tried to derive principles reasoned arguments, visuals, considering the biological and the legal, pondering the significance of the fact that there is a distinct DNA in the preborn child, opportunities in a culture that does not make such distinctions. And furthermore, when it comes to God and humanity, does not make such connections to get people to rethink and develop, develop a culture of life so that, Father, through it all, you are honored and glorified. Use the means that are offered today of, of reasoning scripturally from a worldview perspective. 
bless the ministries of baby care, anchor of hope, others involved in the protection of life and the provisions for life so that the culture can see that this congregation is at cutting edge. We have a holistic view to all of this because we have a God who is comprehensive in his way of dealing with this. And we give all the praise to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.